Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Evan Samet is a serial entrepreneur starting his first business, Evan's Racket, at the young, ripe old age of 14. I can't, can't wait to hear a little bit about that. Following Evan's Racket, Evan honed his nose for opportunity in college, rising to become a finalist in Inc. Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year contest for his new business, Ticket Insider. Ticket Insider soon became a full-time enterprise, and in 2018, he sold the business to a prominent player, and the business is continuing to excel in, in the industry today. Known by many in the entertainment community, Evan was tapped by the business Key Investment Group to scale their live events business. Then COVID hit, and not to be deterred, Evan's curiosity about what makes people successful led to the creation of his podcast, Outwork Outcare which was, has attracted widely known and respected CEOs and venture capitalists. At the same time, identifying that the dining experience was forever changed, you can see Evan puts his hands in lots of different businesses. He paired up with Falafel Incorporated, which is a low overhead, highly scalable, Middle Eastern vegetarian fast food casual shop, where he is advising on and contributing to their rapid career, uh, excuse me, rapid growth worldwide. So Evan, plays in lots of different places and has had fantastic success. Welcome, Evan. Hey, Ed. Thanks for, uh, thanks for reading. That. Very kind. And uh, I've been looking forward to doing this for, for a couple of weeks now. So thanks uh, for having me on. And I'm really looking forward to, to chatting and sharing my stories and you know explaining more about myself. Yeah, well, listen, I'm sure many of our listeners are curious about, you know, your first business when you started it at 14. Uh, you know, I think back when I was 14, I think I was still playing with Mattel cars and, uh, you know, watching cartoons. And here you were starting your own business. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how that came about and what brought you to start your own business? So it's funny. I've always I've always been a worker, like having jobs. And I was an umpire and I would get fifteen dollars. Uh, for a two-hour game, so seven fifty an hour, and I didn't really think much of it. I said, "Okay, you know, I, I love baseball, but I love tennis more." And as growing up, I'd want to play tennis, and I always wanted tennis lessons. And you know, they were sixty, seventy, eighty dollars an hour, and I was like, "Okay, well, I'm good at tennis, but I'm not going pro at tennis." 
Uh, so I don't really know if I want to be spending $80. And I kind of did the math. I go, I don't know if it's worth five baseball games type of thing, five, six baseball games. So I said, what if I just gave lessons? I'm a good player. Uh, what if I just gave lessons for like $25 an hour, super cheap? And I'll make $25 an hour. That's almost two games for one hour's worth of work. And I had all these beginners just saying, okay, like kind of in the same boat as me. Like my parents had friends. I knew people from high school. They had siblings who wanted to take lessons, but kind of didn't really want to, I guess, shell out the significant amount of cash that is really needed to invest in your tennis game. So I just started that. I would take names, take numbers, uh, get to the court because you can't, you know, a lot of the public courts you can't give lessons on. So I always showed up 15 minutes early to always make sure I had a court. If I couldn't, uh, for whatever reason, get the court because people were on it, I would then pivot to another court and make sure I would tell the person before their lesson started. And as much as it taught me about business, it taught me lessons that really could be used for the rest of my life about being punctual, over delivering on customer service, which you know now today seems more important than ever. So I really just learned a lot about business and I kind of would advise that for anyone who's in the same boat. You know, what does giving tennis lessons have to do with food or live entertainment? Nothing. But lessons that I learned from that business, I've been able to use in both businesses and will probably use for the rest of my life. Well, you know, it brings up an interesting question, which is when you think about uh, a kid at the age of 14, some people believe that bravery is natural, that some people are just braver than others, and others believe it's nurtured, that you have to learn and practice being brave. And I'm wondering, at the age of 14, were you potentially ignorant of bravery and just said, oh, I'm going to do it and just did it without even thinking twice? Or did it take some you know, moxie to say, hey, I'm going to do this and really convince yourself that this was an idea worth doing? It was funny. I was, you know, just talking to you kind of before we started and I just went out running and I was really trying to think about bravery and really trying to prepare, you know, kind of just like for the business, you know, being overprepared, trying to prepare for the pocket, you know, be brave at work. What does bravery mean for me? And I was trying to think at what age did that start? And probably 14 was so young because I really didn't think much of it. You know, what's a 14 year old if the business doesn't work? You know, you're not really losing that much. Uh, maybe you're blowing some of your parents' gas money, but outside of that, like what, what really are you know what really are you losing? And then I was trying to think, you know, when did I really take that brave business jump? And that would have had to be when I started Ticket Insider, and not even when I started it, but when I decided to continue the business and forego a full time job after college. Right. So when you look back at 14, it doesn't sound as though bravery was a huge player in your decision. Yet when you started uh, Tickets Insider, that that required some degree of bravery in order to do what you suggest uh, mentioned that you had done. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So I start the business. Uh, I'm in my college dorm room. My friends and I have a concert that we're going that we're supposed to go to. But I think we had a final the next day. And I had eight tickets. I bought them for all my friends. They were 80 bucks. Uh, and I found someone to take them all for $20 each, you know, hundred percent return. Pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. But, so I said, okay. I, I'm know, sure your friends weren't happy that you sold. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, and I guess they, you know, they didn't really want to go. They just really wanted their money okay. back. So, you know, I, I've always been an, you know, an adventurous gambler type person. So I said, okay, 
you know, this seems interesting. I've always had a love for music. Uh, when I was 15, my dad took me to Bon Jovi, which was my first ever concert. Born in New Jersey, uh, Bon Jovi opened the Prudential Center, uh, Jersey Jersey connection there. And I fell in love. I, you know, it's like, you know, you hear people that like, I fell in love with the, I fell in love with everything, the atmosphere, the music. You know, the beer that got spilled on me, everything, you know, getting to the show early, the lights, the T-shirts. I mean, it was just it was just a mind blowing experience. I said, "Okay, let me see how I could start a business. And I, you know, really took time and researched the concert business, researched the entertainment business. I realized I was going to have to put up some of my own money to do this. At this time, I really only had six, seven thousand dollars in my name. So, you know. So question one, is that where the bravery started? Still ignorant, you know, still probably as ignorant as I was at 14. So I didn't even look at it then. So I put up, uh, just so happened that Beyonce was playing the Super Bowl that year. And this band, Swedish House Mafia, uh, in the electronic dance music scene, you know, was doing their final three shows. And being on a college campus, it was right around the time Levels came out. I knew EDM music was exploding. So I put... All the money I had into the Swedish House Mafia ticket, $6,000. I said, okay, I'll just buy up. I know there's a market for them. Still, probably more ignorant than brave. And I turned that $6,000 into over $20,000. And I say, okay, cool. I've never made this much money doing anything in my life. Forget umpiring. Forget to, you know, tennis lessons. I was an intramural ref at my school. Let me figure this out. And step by step, just, you know, reading and just, constantly gaining information about the business just you know buying a handful of tickets never made that big of an investment again probably for another six months because i wasn't even that confident it just you know the stars i guess perfectly aligned and i just started you know growing the business i took night classes so i you know could do my ticket stuff first and then nights then classes at night and study through the night and again another learning lesson about time management doing what's important you know, money in a business, which, you know, everyone, you know, wants to read the news. Uh, you know, this company just raised $100 million. This company just raised $200 million, $50 million. You know, that's a probably percentage of 1% of the amount of companies that can raise that. For the other 99% of companies, you have to bootstrap. And I really learned about bootstrapping before, to be honest, they even probably knew what the word bootstrapping really was. <laughs> well, uh, obviously, it didn't hurt your uh, effort. So, you know, I just want to pause for a second, Evan, and I know you haven't studied this, so I'm not expecting a uh, research-based type response, but, you know, it does kind of beg the question, uh, is bravery natural for somebody? So are there people who just are braver than others, or can it be nurtured? You know, we don't learn bravery in junior high or high school or college. There aren't classes on, hey, here's how you are to be braver in the workplace. And yet, of course, when we land our jobs, we have to be braver to do certain things or we're assigned roles that have to that include and require bravery. And I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, what your thoughts might be is whether is it natural or nurtured or can it be both? You know, again, I was really thinking about it and I think it's natural and I think every person has it. When I think of what bravery means in the workplace, it really, to me, it means standing up for what you believe in and believing in your gut. You know, I knew for whatever reason in my mind that this was my calling, that the ticketing, that what I felt there besides 
when I went to a Yankees playoff game, I have never felt that same, you know, feeling. So I'm thinking live ticketing, my two greatest feelings, Bon Jovi, Yankees playoff game, all rolled into one. I don't care what anyone else says. This feels right to me. You know, like, you know, even in, you know, the podcast world and, you know, you have a show, I have a show, and this is obviously so much more down the road. You know, when you read a line about, you know, podcasts that, you know, there's a million shows and, you know, only X percent of the small percentage make money, then then why are we doing it if the odds aren't in our favor? Because it feels right. And that's what being brave is. Being brave is doing something that, you know, feels right, even though the odds are in most part, in all cases in business, are really stacked against you, especially in the entrepreneurial world. Well, I think everybody would agree that uh, they are required to be brave now and again, both personally and professionally. I mean, our focus is primarily professional bravery, bravery at the workplace. But of course, you also have to be brave at home or with your family. And I like your thought that, you know, it is natural. We probably all have it, yet some of us probably require a little bit more practice at it. Uh, It's just not something like you flick a switch and can and can't do something. You know, I'm wondering, Evan, as you think about being brave at work, are there any words or phrases that come to your mind that best describe bravery in the workplace for you? You know, again, it's, it's really just, you know, standing up for what you believe is right even though other people may not agree. So here, like, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, I had a cousin who worked for a newspaper and a really, really, really prominent newspaper. Everyone would know it. And there was something that happened with one of his managers that they decided to keep on. And he said, I can't work for this company if they're supporting this person. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, Wait, you have a job, you know, you're a jur- you wanted to be a journalist, you're a prominent political journalist. And, you know, in a time of the election time when this was, anyone who could work for this type of paper would would have done it for free. And here you are getting paid for it. But he was so brave in his mind and he really stood up for what he believed in. Where me, on the other hand, I don't think I would have been that brave. I would have said, you know what? I got a job at this paper. I'm, I'm going to keep it. Like, no doubt. It. Like, this is, this is what I went to school for. This is what I studied for. This is what I majored for. And now, now I have it in my hands. I, I'm not giving that up. I'll just, you know, I'll look the other way or, you know, I'll just maybe switch to another department. And he said, because he was brave, he said, you know what? I can't, I can't work for an organization that supports this. So when you really talk about does every, is bravery natural? Yes. But everyone has a different definition of what bravery is. And it's really what I guess hits home to you and everything hits home to different people. Well, that's one of the core concept of this podcast is this belief that bravery exists for different people for different reasons. And we've been talking to people like you to kind of get a sense of, you know, what it means to you, right? And, uh, you know, looking at your career path. And, and it sounds as though, you know, another important area when you think about your cousin, and other guests have talked a little bit about this, which is, you know, identifying what you value, right? What are your core beliefs, And uh, while they play a a role in your life, you know, it's important still to identify them because every once in a while you're going to need them, right? Because something's going to conflict with them or not make you make you feel uncomfortable and you may not know why. And then, of course, you have the epiphany that it is violating 
one of your values. So it sounds like, you know, identifying or thinking about what you value is important, Evan. Yeah. So I remember it was Memorial Day and I just graduated college and, you know, uh, we were home and we went to a dinner at, at uh, or sorry, I went to like a barbecue at one of my friend's house and uh, our parents were there and we've been friends since growing up. And everyone's, you know, kind of sitting around, you know, maybe lightly, slightly bragging about their kids, where they got a job, da, 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 da. And I remember being there and everyone's like, oh, like, you know, what, what job did you get? And I was like, well, I'm still working on my business. And, you know, they're like, well, oh, we like, we kind of thought that was a, you know, a part-time, a ho- exa- you know, that took the word right out of my mouth. It was a hobby. Like, you know, now you got to go, you know, get a job in banking or in finance. And, you know, a lot of these people, you know, finance, a lot of finance, banking, uh, stock things. And, you know, it just, for me, just didn't feel right. And I'm thinking in my head, you guys are like going to go do something you probably don't like. That's brave to, to, to fo- just to kind of sell, I don't want to say sell your soul because I'm not, you know, really like a rebel or an anarchist by any means, but to kind of go do something that you probably didn't dream about or, you know, to to do something just because there's a lot of money in it or to follow in someone else's footsteps. That's my definition of you being like, I'm surprised you're that brave to do that. So, you know, that was like kind of my moment where it's like, you know, when I, you know, to kind of tie a story together where it's like, okay. At what moment did you realize that you were being brave? That was probably the moment where I looked at myself and I said, okay, I'm probably doing something that a majority of people either don't have the guts to do or maybe they want to do it, but they're kind of being pressured in by what you're supposed to do, by family. And that was a time where I said, you know what, that was the bravest decision for me because I had a good job opportunities and I still you know, I still didn't fully say I'm going to do the business. I still kind of put my application out there. I was still, I was making really good money, but I said, you know, what is there an end to this? You know, am I, am I indispensable? You know, nothing I was doing was proprietary or, you know, I couldn't really trademark it. So, you know, should I just, you know, maybe do this on the side and take a real job and have two streams of income? And, you know, I'm sitting around and I said, you know what? this was the, this was the brave decision. Like this was looking back on it, this was the right decision. And, you know, I don't, I don't really, you know, talk about numbers or try not to and this and that, but, you know, from a financial decision, it, it turned out to be the completely 100% couldn't have made a better decision. But from a personal standpoint that I validated with myself to stick to my guts and really do what I believe in, especially now, you know, with COVID, you know, luckily, you know, we're filming this on almost a year after the whole entertainment business got, you know, completely shut down. And that I was able to say, you know what, I trusted my guts gut once when something I love got taken away from me. How do I trust my gut again and really do what I believe in and what I believe in is the future? So that's my, you know, true bravery moment sitting around a bonfire, drinking beer, eating, you know, burgers and hot dogs. And, you know, just kind of saying, you know what, listening to everyone go corporate made me really happy that I didn't go corporate right away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good for you. You know, I was so excited to hear about the business that you started when you were 14 while I was still at home watching Scooby-Doo cartoons at the same age. I didn't give you an opportunity to tell folks a little bit about what you're currently doing in the marketplace. Can you tell folks 
a little bit about what you're currently doing and share with us just for, you know, briefly what Outwork Outcare is, your podcast. Yeah. So, so it's funny, you know, now uh, I was taking this, you know, uh, position with, you know, Falafel Inc. helping, you know, helping them raise money and really try to help uh, expanding of the business, open more locations. But the live entertainment business now, due to the two now due to the three vaccines that they now have, has put on such a fast track for the return of of concerts, of sporting events. Teams are back open to now where I, I thought, you know, to be honest, I wouldn't have any entertainment work to do until 2022. To be honest, the beginning. We are now more slammed than ever because we're really you know, reaping the benefits of teams having limited capacity because we're able to, you know, use our knowledge and our deal making that we made in the past to say, you know, to go to a a Brooklyn Nets game, you know, they used to have 20,000 fans. Now they're only allowing 3,000 fans. So you haven't been able to go to a game for a year. So the demand is high and the supply is cut in six. So, you know, we're, we're over the moon. We're completely as busy as we've ever been. And the business key investment group looks like our best days are, you know, yet to come. And what I love about this is uh, when COVID hit was really the first time I've ever been knocked off the mountain in my life, I would say, uh, on, on, a, on a business standpoint. And I didn't respond to it well. Uh, you know, I really felt like something was taken from me and I didn't really deserve it. Uh, entertainment, ticketing, it's been my passion. It's been my, you know, really first true love. Uh, and here's something I've taken from me and, you know, I wasn't, you know, I didn't really respond to it right away. And now that I got knocked off the mountain, there is nothing I want more than to get back to the top. And, you know, to kind of go to the second part of your question, I love talking to people. I'm a people person, you know, I know we're doing this via, uh, you know, camera, but I've been smiling the whole time. It's just who I am. And he has, uh, he has been, I will validate that. (laughs) And I lost the connection of talking to people and meeting new interesting people, you know, in the ticketing business entertainment, I've really always met really cool, fascinating people. So I just started this podcast. It's to say, you know what, uh, Let's just see what happens. I'd been asked to be a guest on a couple other podcasts. And, you know, everyone told me after, I didn't know if they were being polite by saying I did really well or like they meant that I was doing really well. But I said, you know what? This would be a great new way just to meet a bunch of people. And I started reaching out, uh, reaching out to people and, you know, just doing a show and just meeting people that I find are just completely fascinating. I don't care if you're a business owner. I don't care if you're an artist. I don't care if you're, you know, working down the street at your local group. Like, who cares? I just want to, you know, have people on that are really interesting and can give lessons to to anyone. And now you, the show has, you know, had over a thousand downloads, which is crazy because I I just want to meet fun people and talk to them and really more make a connection and learn from them. And every guest that I've had on has taught me something in a field that I knew, you know, where I thought I knew a lot, but really just knew little about. 
Well, it sounds fantastic, Evan. Again, the podcast is Outwork, Outcare, and we have really enjoyed having you as a guest on our podcast today. What are some ways that people can get in contact with you if they're interested in speaking with you more about bravery or the work that you're doing? So you can the best two ways are you can email me, E-V-A-N-S-A-M-E-T-811 at gmail.com, or you can shoot me a message on LinkedIn or connect with me. And I look forward to you know hearing from any anyone or everyone who you know has a question or anything. I mean, and I mean you really asked some some great questions, and I think you know part of you know what made this you know so enjoyable for me was you were able to focus on things that I'm passionate about, and you know anyone again talking about their passions as you know as again and you know relates to bravery being something that you're passionate about truly just turns out for a great conversation. So I truly want to thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Great. Well, thank you, Evan, for being a guest on our podcast today. My pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800 222-5963 or visit them for more information at capitrisk.com and a reminder to check out my new book drive your career nine high impact ways to take responsibility for your own success which is available in paperback electronically and in audio everywhere online you have something to say yet are not saying it you have something to do yet are not doing it now is the time to be brave at work have a great week